Well, hello there, friends, family, Star Wars fans alike. Welcome back to Han Talks First. I am Han. I'm the host of this show and really excited to be here on the second ever Han Talks First live stream. So this is going to be a good one. Joined by some friends here and we're talking all about this amazing movie that came out last year called The Rise of Skywalker. It's been a year since it's released and it was endlessly hyped up in its pre-release buildup. And this wasn't just the conclusion for the sequel trilogy, but also the saga as a whole. And all of the marketing material that we saw reminded us of our love for this franchise and what a spectacular final event this movie would be. And it had to stand alone, but also put a nice little bow on one of the biggest movie blockbusters in history. Now, admittedly, that's a lot of weight to rest on one's on one movie's shoulders especially a movie that had to notoriously difficult production, which we saw. We saw a replacement of the original director, Colin Trevorrow. He was fired during pre-production and his script was almost entirely thrown out. He was replaced by J.J. Abrams and the screenwriter of Justice League, Chris Terrio. And sure, this was the movie was in a tough spot for a very brief period of time, but movies, other movies have often had changes in leadership before. So this was nothing new to movie making. And after all, this was meant to be a victory lap, a way of tying up loose ends and ending the main Star Wars features in a place that felt emotionally satisfying, but also creatively dynamic. So I got two guests with me today, both who have been on the podcast before and both first ever on a live stream. I'll start with my co-host, of the Mandalorian talk show that we do every Monday. Our final episode comes out tomorrow and he has his own YouTube channel. He's going to tell you a little bit about it. And I've asked each of my guests to show off one of their most prized possessions of Star Wars, whether it be their favorite toy or collectible. So let's see what they got. First up is Dean of Four-Legged Gamer. And here he is. How's it going, Dean? How's it going, Gabe? Better on. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so basically, um, I have a video YouTube channel that's all about kind of collectibles with video games um, and just kind of unboxing. It's called the Four Legged Gamer, and then it's just me and my dogs unboxing video games. And I really focus on my dogs, just trying to like spend more time with them, create some memories with them, etc. Me and my wife work on those together, so. That's what the four-legged um, gamer is all about. It's just meant to be fun, simple, and a great theme song written by Han. So thank you for that, Han. Hey. <laughs> and then, um, so for my collectibles, and this is actually, I kind of grabbed two. Um, one is, I'll show on the next one, just because it's really what this is about. And the other is actually going to be, this is my next unboxing video that I'll be putting up. Um, I'm actually going to film this either later today or tomorrow, um, where it's the... Jedi Knight series um, for the Switch, and this is made by Limited Run Games. I'll be unboxing these later this week, I believe, um, on my YouTube channel. And then for what relates to this is I had to run off and grab this just because this is what we're talking about today. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When did you get that? Um, that was a birthday present to me earlier this year, around um, early in spring. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I'll go ahead and show mine off real quick since it's kind of tied to that as well. So this is my lightsaber. This is the Mace Windu 
prequel lightsaber. I got it from Galaxy's Edge. I don't have the blade. The blade's in the closet. I didn't have time to take it out. But this one is... Mace is my favorite character in Star Wars. As a kid, I just thought he was so cool. So this... I definitely needed to grab this. I think the next one I'm going to get is going to be probably Anakin Skywalker's or Darth Vader's or Obi-Wan. Ah, screw it. I want them all. Okay, so the next guest is... He was actually on the second ever episode of Han Talks First, and he's a great friend of mine, a huge Star Wars fan, and this is Zach Valadon. Hey, Zach. How's it going? Yo, good. How are you? Doing awesome now that you're here and I see your pretty face. So tell everyone about what Star Wars means to you. What collectible did you bring today? Okay, so uh, firstly, the in the spirit of Han Talks First, I keep these two positioned across from each other. Yes. Um, the, the, these are my two favorite pops. I think in kind of the original run of Star Wars pops are very basic faces, as you can see here. weren't really molded in any particular way, so I thought those were fun. Uh, and then uh, I'm, I used to be pretty big into collecting more comics than I could afford when I was in college. So I have this uh, first issue of Han Solo, the variant cover. And I would like to have the artist from this series, Mark Brooks, draw on it in the future when the pandemic is over. I'd like to visit him at a convention or something. He's done a ton of like X-Men uh and I'm blanking on some of the stuff he's done. He's done X-Men. Oh, an amazing Spider-Man series was one of his, uh, the Han Solo, of course, Secret Empire. Um, so uh, I would really love to have uh, some original art by him on that cover. Uh, so that's one of my favorite collectibles. But yeah, I'm Zach, and uh, I run a podcast called The Pen, The Sword. And it's not S Star Wars specific, though I do talk about Star Wars pretty frequently on it. So, uh, But Star Wars means a lot to me. It's like the, the basis of my uh, creative imagination comes from Star Wars and Harry Potter pretty much exclusively. So uh, Star Wars is, is a huge deal. And uh, it, kept, it started, kept me pretty sane when we got new Star Wars uh, when I was at a pretty dark place in my life. So uh, I'm pretty grateful that we keep getting pretty amazing content as the years go by, as recently yeah. as three days ago. So. Yeah, I love talking Star Wars with all these guys, and we're going to have some great conversations today, mainly talking about The Rise of Skywalker. You guys, if you're watching right now live, you can send in your questions, and we will try to answer as many as we can. And there's also a link here to... I will put the link in the chat to for the option if you would like to tip to the show, and it's always helpful. Not required. If you want to just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, you're more than welcome to do so. So let's jump into it. I want to start off by just talking about some of our favorite moments from this film and just like our general thoughts, either first impressions or what sat with us for the last year since seeing this movie. And I'll go first. So starting off, when I first saw the movie, I did a cosplay with my girlfriend. I went as... Um, Obi-Wan and she went as Ray. And if you guys want to see those pictures, I will put them up on the Instagram so you can check that out. But I remember being extremely excited for this movie when it was first when we first saw the trailer material and thinking, wow, that first trailer, which was actually the first video I posted on this YouTube, um, really 
took me by surprise. It did everything it was supposed to do. It, was, it built my anticipation even more for this movie. And that sinister laugh at the end of that first teaser was one of the most shocking parts of Star Wars I've witnessed in marketing. And then, of course, we get the final title, which was The Rise of Skywalker. And that's when the speculation begun. Is Luke coming back? Is Rey a Skywalker? Will Ben Solo be redeemed? All that kind of stuff. But going back to the theater, after walking out of the theater, it had been a year since, or sorry, two years since the last Jedi. So that two-year waiting period of waiting for the next installment of this Skywalker saga was really high for me. And I remember sitting down in the theater, watching the full movie. And at the end of it, I looked over to my girlfriend and I said, I think this might be one of my favorite Star Wars movies ever. She kind of looked at me like I was crazy because it's not her favorite. But in the moment, this movie really made me smile, laugh, cry, pretty much everything I had wanted from a Star Wars movie. And it brought me back to some of those first feelings I felt when watching The Force Awakens again back in 2015, which that movie even means so much more to me than this one. But for The Rise of Skywalker, it was... It was a great experience in the theater. My, one of my favorite moments from this movie is the uh, first scene, actually, the first sequence of events with Kylo going to Exegol and meeting Palpatine and learning that he was the voice of Vader and Snoke, that he made Snoke. We get so much in that opening scene, and I'm glad they started off the movie that way because it kind it almost answered all the questions we had before, like, who is Snoke? Um, you know, what's... What's Kylo going to do? Who's the next threat of this galaxy? And it was all combined in this really short four-minute opening. And I love the planet Exegol. I thought it was really cool. And yeah, I, I, the opening scene is probably one of my favorites part, favorite parts of this. But I'll let, I'll let Zach, I'll let you talk about the movie for a little bit. What are your general thoughts on the film and some of your favorite moments? Yeah, I. so firstly, I want to echo, I love the the opener in in Exegol uh, with Palpatine because I know one of the biggest speculations for everybody when we got the trailer was you know what at what length is Palpatine going to play a role in this movie and it's like right off the bat we jump <laughs> right into having him and and that was actually the scene that they they drop teased before the movie probably like a week or two in advance and I thought at what point is this going to happen? And it was the first scene of the entire film. So (laughs) save of course, for Kylo, just demolishing stuff on Mustafar, uh, which I also love uh, because uh, I've now uh, played uh, Vader immortal. And so knowing that, Oh dude, have you played it? Only the first chapter. Okay. So I don't want to spoil anything then because it it leads directly into what you experience in the first scene no way uh, yeah in rise of skywalker um that's good to hear yeah so like it 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 helps contextualize why mustafar is not covered in lava um at at this point so yeah very very cool um but uh some scenes that really stand out uh i i am uh, an absolute shill for uh ray skywalker at the very end. Uh, and I'll defend that to the death. Um, and then <clears throat> I really love uh, the the final duel between Kylo Ren and uh, and Ray and 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 the subsequent meeting between uh, Ben and his father. 
I think is one of the most emotional scenes in that movie. So that really, that really stuck with me. Uh, and I, I love the way it mirrored the, the force awakens, but I, I felt the same way you did. Um, you know, on, on my first watch, I thought this could be my favorite of the series. Uh, and I, that, that may hold up. It's, it's up there at the very least. I, I, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I, I think it really, I think a lot of people would disagree with me, but I think it's stuck with the thematic elements of the entire trilogy um, in a way that most people think it buried some of those things and tried to undo work. But I really think it was a natural progression for the trilogy. So, yeah, I remember calling you or texting you or something shortly after its premiere. And you were telling me, you were like, you know, this might be my favorite star wars movie ever and of course thoughts will change over time but it's nice to walk out of a star wars movie just feeling that way in general at least mm -hmm. even if it's just for a short period of time um but yeah we'll get into more of those moments that you talked about like the han solo and stuff like that because those are some good stuff all right four-legged gamer what you got favorite moments from this show general <laughs> thoughts let's hear it so for me um even now it I still consider it a good movie, but well, it's, I gotta be honest with you. I'm I very pleased when it comes to Star Wars because my mentality, my no, no, clearly uh, we're yeah. not because we've seen the community sometimes. I know that your community isn't like that, but we know that not all of us are. But um, because I walked out of the last shot at Jedi, not thinking it was awful, I walked out happy leaving that. I won't deny, but that's just because my mindset is I was never supposed to get Episode Seven, Eight, Nine. That, that's been my mindset. So, like, when you give me more Star Wars, no matter if it's the Christmas special, like the original one, I may be happy. <laughs> I may be happy. <laughs> All right, but, um, so I thoroughly enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker, one of my favorite moments. Um, and it's kind of because it touches a little bit of Legends, which I kind of wish we went more into it, was when Ray used Force Lightning without meaning to. It showed that a light side user could use Force Lightning. The only time we've ever seen that um in my thought process as of right now is in legends and that was luke when he was basically becoming not officially a gray but mastering both sides of the force um and that's that kind of the first canon thing where it's like holy cow there's a light side user just shocking a first order ship i i really thoroughly enjoyed that i wish we saw her use force lightning more but actually use it for good purposes like Oh, we need that generator over there powered up, and then <laughs> just just as an example, like something that where you could use electricity for good use and not um, Palpatine just shocking everybody, stealing life, etc. Um, so that was one of that was my favorite moment was just kind of touching on that where it's like this can be a force power, like both force powers, but your force pulls and pushes. Even though we both we know both sides can do that. We've always associated Force Pulls and Pushes with the Jedi and then Force Lightning with the Sith. We've never really, because we never really saw um, Palpatine ever use Force Pull and Push. We only saw Vader when it comes to the Sith. And we saw Maul do a little, not much, and then Dooku do both. But the only people you really see do both are the people that were trained as a Jedi and a Sith. Um, yeah. So I really liked that we saw a purely good person yes they were questioning themselves but they're purely good person using what we've always considered the dark side of the force and i thought that was kind of a jaw-dropping thing right there for me yeah i mean that's one of the things that's interesting about ray you know she's she's got 
throughout the, all three of these movies, she's trying to discover who she is. And through that process, she's discovering more things about her she didn't know, like the Force Lightning. When that happens, that's a really impactful moment, not just for her, but also for the audience. Like, whoa, she can do that? Now, yep. of course, it's speculated. She's probably related to Palpatine. But the spectacle in that moment was really something special. And you could see that on Kylo's face, especially. Which yeah. Which is really cool. And so it, sorry, like Driver, did a, Driver did a fantastic job with acting. Kylo is yeah. my favorite. Kylo is one of the best characters in all of Star Wars. I know in For, Force Awakens, I completely agree when SNL made fun of him, saying he weighs probably two pounds soaking wet. Like <laughs> I, I completely agreed after The Force Awakens. I was like, who is this? And then the one thing that The Last Jedi really did right was kind of focus on Kylo and giving us that just – the, the start of the true arc besides just him being who he was where he was kind of whiny in The Force Awakens. The Last Jedi, the Last Jedi gave Kylo some depth and then Rise of Skywalker just finished that depth where that was the final scene was kind of gut-wrenching, which is another great moment, but also an angering moment because it killed the chance of a spinoff for Ben Solo where if you told me, pick one of the four of the young trio or like not trio but um quad but i don't know the word for quad. Like Finn, po, yeah like you, you take the four leads just like you had the four leads in the originals and you say pick one to make a spinoff of out of the sequels four leads i would pick kylo three times in a row <laughs> i'm glad you mentioned that adam driver really did you know shine with his acting chops in this, in this movie. And you know what? At, at first when the force awakens came out, I didn't like that character of Kylo Ren. I, I didn't feel anything for it, but it wasn't until as the movies progressed that I really started to love this character. And Adam driver also loves this character. Like we see him talk about in interviews and behind the scenes all the time, you know, when the stunt stunts came into play, he's, he's said like, no one's going to, play this part of this character for me because he moves a certain way and I got to move that way. And he's, I, he owns this character and he, he takes control of it and he, he really cares, which I think is really nice to hear from an actor in star Wars recently. But so uh, welcome to everyone who's watching right now. We do have uh, five main topics we're going to talk about with the rise of Skywalker, a look back one year later. I want to address some of the people who are here in the show right now, because we have, First, the Stormtrooper. Welcome back, buddy. He was here on our first live stream. He said, guess who's here? It's you. It's so nice to see you again. Guys, if you're listening, you can submit your questions in the live chat. We will try to answer as many as we can. Ben Tech here has actually a, a question for us. Let's see if we can answer this first. So he says, why do you think Rise of Skywalker bombed so bad? Okay. So this question is, um, I don't think, it, I understand what you're trying to ask. I think you're talking about maybe audience or reception reception yeah. versus a monetary thing. Yeah. Uh, Cause box office speaking, all three of these movies were successful and they are some of the highest grossing movies of all time. You know, uh, even the last Jedi, which people don't like either made over $2 billion. Now I think you're asking specifically about why some people don't like it. And this actually goes into our first topic of discussion so let's jump into it so here i have you know considering the rotten tomatoes audience score of 86 percent versus the critics score of 51 percent 
Do we think that J.J. Abrams did the best with what story was set up in 7 and 8 as far as the characters, an overall arc for the full story, closing out the saga? Do you think he did the best he could? And I think this will answer your question a little bit better, Ben Tech, maybe as far as why did the audience receive it poorly in some aspects. But you got to remember some people did like it too. Um, do any of you guys have thoughts on like the audience view of this movie? I, I do. Was, yeah. Uh, go on. Um, I think we're probably going to say close to the same thing. It, probably. When you look at building a story and you have your introduction, your body, and your conclusion, whenever you're going back to elementary school English class, the body is what got you your A or your F. And the Last Jedi was the body of the essay. And that alone, you you can only have such a good introduction and such a good conclusion based on what your content, what your meat is. And Ryan Johnson, I, again, Last Jedi wasn't as bad as I think, but I'm also using science to make this more acceptable. <laughs> um, but it is when you give a overall critically movie um, a five and then your two surrounding movies are a eight and a seven or seven and eight whatever you want to say the overall paper is not that great paper because the body was just bringing everything down and jj had to make the middle of the body work with his original story and if you notice he tried to ignore a lot of what ryan did in the middle so it was almost like ignoring pieces and for the people that liked last jedi it probably Ignoring that made people not like the Rise of Skywalker, but then at the same time, he did a he did a good and bad job of making um, all three flow together. It felt more like a two movie series um, than a three movie trilogy. It's kind of the way JJ handled it. He JJ clearly only cared about cared about his two movies when it came to the overall storytelling, which I don't really I understand where his mindset was too, but I think that that overall would hurt the finale of this trilogy. That's just my thoughts. I think we actually d- disagree <laughs> um, in that case. Cause I, I am a, I'm a huge, the last Jedi fan. Uh, and I, I tend to disagree with, I think the bulk of the, the like, I, I hate the word fandom, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> I tend to disagree with the bulk of the fandom about like Luke Skywalker. I think the, the, we ha- there is this general perception that Luke has like this Christ consciousness that he is uh, infallible uh, without humanity to the extent that he would not have failed himself and the Jedi Order the way that he did in The Last Jedi um, or the way that it's described that he did. He would not be so dismissive and hermetic on this island. Um, what I love about the way that The Rise of Skywalker uh, – and uh, the only thing I guess I'll really disagree with you is that that JJ ignored him, uh, Ryan Johnson in the, the Rise of Skywalker. I think what he did was allow for Luke to have his own redemption arc in the context of the story. For him to go, yes, I messed up. Um, it doesn't mean that I have to abandon all ships, so to speak, with regard to the Jedi. It, 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 I could be wrong. I can be wrong. And I, and I love that because it introduces a little bit of humanity to the story of, of Star Wars. And it kind of de-pedestals Luke Skywalker. And, and we still get him. I, the, when I walked into The Last Jedi, for example, 
I said, I want to see Luke do something with the force that we've never seen happen. And I will be happy if that happens. And then it did, <laughs> which was super cool. Um, uh, as far as him being on, I guess, like the seeing stone and, and projecting himself to crate. Uh, and then in the rise of Skywalker, I think a lot of people were like, Oh, like Luke catching the lightsaber in the, in the wreckage of, of Kylo's ship um, is like, is, it's like tossing Ryan Johnson out the window. And I, I thought it was great. I, th- I th- Maybe I, it's just my interpretation of what they were trying to do is, is wrong, but I think, so to, to go back to the original question, why did it bomb so bad in terms of reception? I think that a lot of people want something that is so close to them in star Wars to go exactly how they imagined it in their head because it is very important to them. And when it deviates from when character behavior deviates from their expectations, it is traumatic almost like it may, maybe that's uh, not appropriately used here, but there's like a betrayal associated with that. So they, f- they feel betrayed. And then there's a lot of stuff that you can throw that at, like the commodifying of, uh, of these character identities by Disney and like going with what makes the most money. And that, that may be true, but then we get shit like what we got on Friday. And uh, that's pretty incredible. I mean, it, it shows that Luke wasn't always this defeated, uh, you know, kind of shell of himself post facto. So. Yeah. So I think like what we're mainly talking about here is like, you know, mainly expectation versus acceptance or reality and when these move these are big movies and you know with a two-year interval between each one it gives us plenty of time to speculate and i think it's okay to have expectations for star wars movies you can go into them thinking i'm gonna love this movie i love star wars i'm gonna love every second you know i can't wait to see more lightsaber fights that's good but when we get deeper into that and we start to hold on too tight to our expectations for things like i want uh luke skywalker to come back as a force ghost and i want him to kill kylo something like that and that when that doesn't happen to you it lets you down and it affects your overall view of the movie so again back to this guy's question and our first main topic i think audiences going into the rise of skywalker hearing jj was back either one expected to see a complete alter of story direction from ryan johnson's or they thought, okay, we're going to get this, this, and this new things in here. And when they didn't get what they want, they just dis- disliked it. And I think also another contributing factor to all this is the fandom itself because of how divided it was. So I think when you, it, when you hear say things that are negative, it affects your opinion of the movie in some way, whether you feel guilty for liking it or whether you start to buy into what these people are saying and so I think it's also important for us to form our own opinions on something before we continue to go out and look at other people's uh, reviews or opinions or breakdowns and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. So monetarily, The Rise of Skywalker did not bomb. It was the least uh, financially successful of these three movies, but still made a billion and six point six dollars. That's that's pretty incredible. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. And that that's always just kind of going on that monetary part. Um, that's always normal with uh, most movies anyway. When it comes to a series, usually you have drop off 
from movie to movie. You never have more on the second or um, third. I won't say never because it happens. But usually video games, movies, usually the sequels start dropping off of value because something just somebody goes, I didn't care enough about the story in the second movie. Like if you look at the Harry Potter series, that's kind of a hard one to speak on because it some movies are higher in ratings and then lower. But it, I think it's like Chamber um Secrets was higher than um, the Sorcerer's Stone. But then it was um, like the fourth one. All of a sudden, it was the lowest of all of them, and then they, they kind of fluctuate. But even then, if you looked at an average, it was steadily going downhill. Um, and that's wow. just about with any movie because it's about getting people out back at the theater, and just kind of that anticipation can die from movie to movie if the movie didn't live up to expectation. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Let me address some more people in the chat. Welcome, everybody. If you're just now joining us, we're talking about The Rise of Skywalker a year later. Send in your questions. You can tip if you would like. It's in the description linked below. All right, so we have Zach Wolfinger. Hello, Zach. How's it going from Instagram, I think? Yes, it is. So he says, The Force Awakens is a new hope knockoff, and the second movie is plain bad, but The Rise of Skywalker is all right <laughs> okay a lot of yes i mean the force awakens is a retelling of a, a new hope in some ways that that's just how it is i love it yeah i've never had somebody ex- extrapolate that idea for me like like i like a lot of people are like the force awakens is a new hope retold with new people and i'm like can you like unpack that a little bit and i don't really get a really well explicated version of that like i and, and like, I guess there's probably some elements that they're trying to do callbacks, kind of like they're trying to call things out in the Mandalorian right now, like Easter eggy, which I think are, are done yep. intentionally. But I don't know that the the story, in as much as any hero's journey cannot be ripped off from every other hero's journey ever written. Yeah, is- yeah. like the the one thing I'll say about New Hope and the Force Awakens being so so much alike is you can clearly pick out scenes and be this was a ripoff, hmm. like. Because Han Solo sacrificed himself, that was Ben. That was Kenobi. Um, those are instantly tied together. Um, the lightsaber battle at the end—that that's all new. But then, the, um, Star Destroyer, not Star Destroyer. Wow, why am I, why am I blanking on the Star Killer base? Star Killer. I should have known that because Force Unleashed. <laughs> for some reason, that was I was blanking on that. Um, Star Killer base was obviously the Death Death Star. I think they even joked about it. So. There's a lot of similarities, but I completely agree with you. There is the elements, but it is, to me, it's not a direct ripoff, but it's a, it, you were clearly yeah. inspired by. Right. I think this goes back to it, its inception, and I think Disney is mostly to blame for this. I think what they mandated was for J.J. Abrams to make almost a, a, a remake slash reboot of this franchise and they wanted probably him to include all these elements such as we need another death star that's awesome um we need a, another hero's journey but you're I, I totally get what you're saying when you're copying this hero's journey which is in every single every single movie ever we're talking yeah. about harry potter harry potter is also like a new hope if you think about it yeah so there is a limited amount of things you can cover i mean i think the saying is there's 10 stories in the world it's all about how you tell them or something like that you're a scruffy nerf herder in the cupboard under the stairs that's all (laughs) zach also says ray is also a palpatine not a skywalker okay we're going to talk about that towards the end so thank you for bringing that up uh the podcast dojo i'm not a fan of star wars but i got to admit the last episode of the mandalorian 
was amazing. Since you brought it up, let's talk about it. We will discuss spoilers for a brief second. That last episode of The Mandalorian, we all watched it, correct? No one's getting spoiled here. Okay. Um, I, I haven't. I know we talked about it yet, um, the other day, but I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> You've watched it. Oh, yeah, you watched it probably 10 times by now. So that was one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. And uh, I cried so much. It, it meant so much to me. I felt like a kid. It felt like watching Star Wars for the first time again. It was so, I don't know. It was so magical and so special to me. Seeing, not just seeing Luke, but also the whole storytelling. It felt like a finale to this whole series when Grogu sees Din's face and touches it. And they have that emotional moment. And, you know, just seeing the Darksaber fight the Beskar spear, all that kind of stuff. This was an amazing episode. And I have no idea where they're going from here. But I will tell you, it made me, like I said about the, the saga movies, made me laugh, cry, you know, scream at the TV. All that, all that kind of stuff. Grit my teeth. What did you guys think of the last episode? I was quick? jumping up and down, like <laughs> running around. <laughs> I've watched it I, four times now. <laughs> yeah, I expect it. I expect you to. <laughs> and I, I was doing the same. Like my only issue with it, I know that we've kind of discussed this already, but just kind of bring Zach up because I know that he hasn't had a chance to listen to the podcast yet. My biggest issue with the with Friday's episode was. It felt like the conclusion of the series, kind of like what um, Han just alluded to. You tell me, and they've confirmed actually yesterday, um, Lucasfilm confirmed there are two TV shows coming out next December, The Book of Boba and Season 3. They confirmed that they are separate. Okay, good. I was worried. (laughs) uh, But see, that's exactly what I'm getting at, though. Well, now we have Bo-Katan versus Din. Like, that's the next start. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely, um, Han and I brought that up, but it was just one of those things of, if you told me there's no season three, I wouldn't care. Like, interesting. Like, it, it yeah. feels like this series ended. Like, they didn't give us a cliffhanger. The cliffhanger for Star Wars fans, like deep Star Wars fans, because um, podcast dojo is actually a good friend of mine. Um, and basically, me and him were talking about it um a little bit, and he loved the episode. But it's just one of those things as for his view, because he um, self admittedly in the chat said that he's not a huge Star Wars fan. He doesn't know about the whole Maul versus Bo-Katan from Clone Wars. He doesn't know about all of that history with the Mandalorian um, Darksaber. It's literally 10 minutes before the end, before all of a sudden give us Luke. And I, like me as a Star Wars fan, I know about that, so I didn't forget about it. But that was on the back burner. Once you showed me the X-Wing, I forgot all about the history of Mandalore. It was one of those things of... Okay, and the series or the series is done now. Even though I know that ten minutes prior they just gave us the cliffhanger, but the right. common everyday viewer doesn't know that that was the cliffhanger necessarily. Like yeah. you could say there is no season three being released on Christmas Day next year, and the common viewer would not care. I, as a huge Star Wars fan, because I forgot that that was even mentioned ten minutes prior, I wouldn't care as much. And that that's my concern. Of what they did was. Did they just make the series feel like it's done where season three is now going to be the final season because how they presented the final episode? Yeah. Yeah. I I am worried that the, it's going to be seen as a bad investment in the future because it's going to get more lore heavy and it's going to rely on people's knowledge of like Previsla and uh, you know, the mall arc of clone wars and, and then into rebels, of course. Um, and then so the I, books, just like yeah. this movie that we're supposed to be discussing. <laughs> right. 
So yeah, if you guys would like to hear more about the finale of Season 2 Mandalorian, me and Four-Legged Gamer have an episode coming out tomorrow on the channel that you can listen to. We talk about an hour and a half, I think, we did about this finale. We do beat by beat, frame by frame, all the goods, all the bads. So go check that out tomorrow, dropping at 10 a.m. All right, let's move on to our second topic of main topic of discussion. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about Palpatine. Okay. So Palpatine was revealed in the first teaser trailer with his sinister laugh and causing fans all across the galaxy to gasp with excitement, but also question how would he return? Does bringing this character back to life necessarily for this chapter nine saga, how is it, how is it executed in your guy's opinion? Now, this was, a, as far as him coming back, the answer of how did he come back? This was apparently answered in a let's see here a book i believe partially in a book partially in a video game now his message sent across the galaxy was actually appearing during a fortnight star wars fan event and it said this was before the movie's release at last the work of generations is complete the great error is corrected the day of victory is at hand the day of revenge the day of the sith but how did he survive, according to the movie? Let's not tie, tie in the books for this. So the dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. That is what uh, the Emperor says in the movie. This was a, Now, Palpatine was a last-minute addition to the Skywalker saga, according to Ian McDermott. If you could take the Emperor out of this movie, would the story still work, or how would it have been any different? So the main question is, how was the execution of Palpatine? What do you guys think? Do you think this movie could work without Palpatine? Four-legged gamer, you want to start off? Um, I don't think it could work without Palpatine, me personally, because I don't think we get the true arc of um, Ben Solo. <clears throat> um, my reason being there is you needed something for Ray and Ben to fight against together. Um, otherwise, it's going just and kind of stealing from Return of the Jedi a little bit, where if it wasn't for, if there was no Palpatine then, Vader would never have the sense to protect his son. Just as in this, it was, I know that's not family, but it was the dyad, and they felt the need, eventually they felt the need to protect each other, they felt the need to realize there's a higher power that we need to defeat, and go take down Palpatine, and if there isn't something to kind of like your um, your closest ally is the enemy of I forgot the oh, saying. Enemy of my but enemy is my friend. Yes, thank you. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, and there's nothing for them to really team up for, so I think it just would have been bashing lightsabers, and then how do you say, Ben, you're a good guy, or how do you say, Ray, you're supposed to turn evil? Like, they're, you're just at that stalemate. You're stuck in that neutral until somebody is defeated unless there's something for them to team up against. So I think they needed that higher power, which when Snoke died, you lost that ability of the higher power. Um, that okay. so how do you think team up against? You, you mentioned Kylo. What about how do you think it would affect Ray or how Palpatine being in the movie affects Ray? And if she wasn't. Um, for Ray, it's the same regardless. I like you think her Ray is. is same? Yeah, I think Ray's fate's the same. Um, I'm a huge Ray fan. Like my dog's name is actually um, Ray. <laughs> so <laughs> huge Ray fan, but it's just, she 
look like when I look at her character as a critic and not a fan, she's a very thin character. Like there's not much depth or arc to her. It's you're a good person. You're it's more of your arc is your power in figuring out who you are. Not about I never worried about you turning evil when you have the little um I guess not the cave moment, but very similar to the cave moment. It was never like I never thought you as an evil person. In both movies, the cave moment for when she actually went in the cave in Last Jedi, and then when she went into the um, the locked room, I can't think of the actual name um, for it, but when she went into that room and then saw Dark Ray, I never had the fear of that's who Ray could turn out to be. It was more so, it's kind of like how Luke, Luke, I felt more there was a chance of him turning evil than Ray ever did. So there was never that fight of good versus evil within her for her soul. So I don't think it really harms Ray at all. I think it's just, if Palpatine wasn't there, we don't get Ben Solo the way that we got Ben Solo. It actually would have limited Adam Driver's ability to perform, in my personal opinion. Zach, I'm curious to hear what you think about Palpatine I, as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, uh, Four-Legged Gamer. I, I think the, the introduction of Palpatine does two very cool things for me right now. Um, the first of which is that it sticks with, and like I said, I, I really think that this whole sequel trilogy kept its thematic elements intact throughout the whole thing. One huge thing that I think Ryan Johnson uh, integrated to the series is that it doesn't matter who you are, or what your lineage is in this story. You have the capacity to make your own way. And then also that the force kind of runs through everybody. Um, you know, Broom Boy. The, the, this element of like like when I saw the kid do the broom, I was like, that was me at eight years old. Like I, I see me in, in that and my inner child is awakened at the, <laughs> in the last moment of this movie. Um, and, and the Palpatine factor in The Rise of Skywalker, I mean, that, that takes that to the nth degree, right? I mean, you've got this character who comes from the baddest of all the bad uh, lineage-wise – and yet she gets to assert herself at the very end of this film and, and say, oh, I am Ray Skywalker. That, you know, I, really, my, my parentage is, is Luke and Leia. Like, they, they taught me everything I know at this point. Um, and, and she's really been seeking. She didn't have the, the upbringing of Palpatine. She didn't have, like, a nurturing nature versus nurture element of Palpatine. But it does go into that nature versus nurture sort of thing. Is it in her nature to be a Palpatine? Um, to yeah. to have this ancestral um, awakening within her, and she does wrestle with that for the whole movie. I mean, she's seeing visual manifestations of herself as this dark, evil entity, and it's like this foreshadowing and foreboding element of the decision that she's going to have to make at the end. I mean, she's got her uh, like everybody that she regards now as family is is circling above them trying to save the galaxy and she has to decide if the right decision is to take the throne as emperor or you know leader of the sith um and and carry the sith lineage within her in order to save her friends <laughs> which i think is is a huge huge climactic moment that a lot of people don't um regard uh, yeah. Highly. yeah, and I do completely agree with that as well because that that was probably the most depth that we saw as Ray uh, throughout the whole trilogy was that moment, and the book gave even more depth to it 
like unfortunately like we're missing so much as just the movies the common movie goer um it, it really misses a lot of where that iron actually strikes and that's the unfortunate part is because in the book is talking about actually what's going on in her head versus what we're seeing is just like I, before the book came out kind of as i said there was never the fear of her even considering it i don't know if y'all felt the same like yeah it's being offered where you can see she's contemplating it but it's like you know she's not going to like but the book really makes it where you rewatch that scene you pause and then read her thoughts because yes i actually did this <laughs> um, you pause yeah. read her thoughts it changes the way that that feels like it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's Ray. She she's literally like if you had a picture of an angel in the dictionary, it's Ray. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> so I'm glad you we're talking about Ray a lot, and I want to jump into our last topic since I know Zach, you have to leave because it is about Ray. But I, I will say one thing that I think Palpatine does for me the most in this story is it does help the character of Ray. Like I said in my Rise of Skywalker review, one of the big parts about this movie was that like you stated, Zach, that you know, she's she finds out she is a Palpatine, but she chooses she doesn't want to be. And it goes deep into who she is as a person. You know, she's throughout all three movies. Ray didn't want anything to do with any of this. All she wanted to do was find out who she is. Yet she's pulled in time and time again to the good side. She's tempted with the bad side. And then at the end, she's welcomed with open arms by her grandpappy. And it reminds me of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when... Uh, Yondu yeah. is helping uh, Star-Lord, and he's just like, he may have been your father, but he weren't your daddy. He wasn't your daddy, boy. <laughs> so, and Star-Lord got to make that decision. He's like, you know what? Yeah. He was my dad. Like, screw this other guy. And it's the same thing in this movie. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, because Leia got compared to Mary Poppins. Yeah, so super Leia. <laughs> she got to pick her parents. And I think that can also reflect real world things as well with adopted children, with people who come from bad homes. You know, you're always going to have your your immediate intermediate family, your your lineage, but you can also surround yourself by the people you love and create your own family out of those people that surround you. So I, that part I really loved about this movie. And I think without Palpatine, we wouldn't have gotten that. I don't think there would have been the reveal that she was a Palpatine, obviously, but I don't think she would have also taken the Skywalker name if Palpatine had not been in this movie. Did you guys think about that? Yeah, but I have some issues with it at the same time. Like, I completely agree with everything you're saying. Issues with what? Taking the name? Taking the name, yes. Okay. But, but not because the taking the name part. It's um my issue with it, and because I rewatched Rise of Skywalker, just to make sure I, it was fresh in my mind. I took notes as a critic this time, so there were a lot of things that really irked me the wrong way, watching as a critic and not as a fan. Um, but my biggest issue with, and I wrote down the line um, for line, Leia straight up says, don't be afraid of who you are. And at the end of the movie, she refused to admit she's a Palpatine and then said she's a Skywalker. Oh, I see which what you're talking about. I, ha I have no issues with raising she's a Skywalker, but as a script, Two or three times in the movie, and again, I watched this as a critic um, on Friday. Yeah. Um, I watched this as a critic, and two or three times in the movie, Leia says it twice, I believe, and then somebody else says it, and they say, don't be afraid of who you are. And she is still afraid of who she is at the end of the movie, the way that I interpret it, as a critic. And I did not like that. Rewatching as a critic, not as a fan. 
as a fan, I'm fine with it. I enjoy it. But as a critic, I'm like, you said throughout the movie, like in the very beginning, about midway through and again about midway um, on the latter half of midway through. And then at the end, you're still afraid of who you are. That, that's, that's really interesting. I, I like how would this movie have been different if she had kept the name Palpatine and identified herself as Palpatine, re, re uh, making it into some meaning something good rather than something that used to mean evil. Right. Exactly. Like, that would be interesting as well. I think it also though opens up the question of like what makes us who we are. It, you know, if, if she decides that who she is, is, is her, her, you know, figurative upbringing by the Skywalkers here, like really kind of contextualizing who she is a per- as a person after spending years and years in the desert wondering about whether her parents will uh, come back for her. Um, you know, is, the, is this who she is? And, and does now does she ha- get the opportunity to relinquish her fear of not knowing who she is and accepting what she has become. Yep. So let's keep talking about Ray because for me, Ray is my, my favorite character of the sequels. While I do think uh, part of her story arc and her, you know, character telling on screen, I didn't really enjoy. She is my favorite. And I do love her a lot. I also love Daisy Ridley. I think she portrayed this character very well as well, but I want to talk mainly about what is her fate following the events of this movie she took the name skywalker so she is a skywalker now and she has a new lightsaber she got the yellow kyber crystal which i thought was really cool i wish we got to see a little bit more but i'm curious how going forward whether this is in books or comics or movies that take place after this time when people mention the name skywalker that also includes ray at this point now do you guys think we'll see ray again it could even be animated. Do you think she'll have an important role in future stories, even if she's not featured on screen, but also just as far as the events that have happened in the galaxy that could relate to, I don't know, like Rogue Squadrons or something like that, which apparently is taking place after the Rise of Skywalker, Rogue Squadron. So that'll be interesting to think about, considering there's not a huge threat as big as Palpatine, Snoke, etc. But I'd like, what you guys to, Ray? I'd like to see her train Finn. I mean, the Lego Star Wars holiday special, although yeah. kind of headcanon, right? It's not, uh, you know, the the most real deal thing going on. It was I thought it was really incredible for me. Um, it's real. <laughs> yeah. I, I was actually going to bring that up as well. Like, are we considering that canon? Yeah. Because just a quick thing before headcanon. you go, Zach. They they did um, confirm that Finn was force sensitive in that of all places, like flat out showing that he is. Um, I just want to add that that I thought was hilarious. Sorry for interrupting, Zach. No, no, totally cool. Yeah, I I, I love the like it's the extrapolation of the I can feel it <laughs> at the yeah. end of the Rise of Skywalker, um, and and like like his his cognizance of when Rey dies for that brief moment at the end of Rise of Skywalker and like just like everything we wanted to be confirmed confirmed by Lego <laughs> of all things uh, <laughs> right. but uh, now Lego is incredible shout out Lego you guys are wonderful sponsor yeah. Han <laughs> oh god that'd be amazing uh, send me Legos yeah <laughs> give him a Lego uh, uh, Millennium Falcon or Lego Death Star that's what you do oh. <laughs> that's been a dream of mine actually the, the 10,000 piece one yeah. also yes I, I would say um, that so for my my inclination my my feeling is that Disney will be more likely 
to bring characters from the sequel trilogy in that will excite the the fandom that they see most actively on Twitter and on Facebook. I agree. So so I think that what we would we are likely to see are um, Finn appearing in shows. Um, I think we're very likely to see Jin Erso return as well. No, I'm not sorry, not Jin Erso, Kira from Solo. Uh, because oh, I everybody, agree. Yeah. I think she'll be in Lando. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and hopefully they kind of expand on that Maul and Kira arc. Um, I think so. But uh, Ray, so Ray, I think she's likely to make a cameo, um, but not anything like significant like what we got with Luke. Because uh, the the nice thing about like Ray is that we you know the on Friday we got Luke as we've always wanted to see him like going in kicking ass taking names like just acrobatic Jedi incredible <laughs> you know like it's like Luke if he was in the prequels um, yeah. and we got to see a little bit of that uh, they gave us the Darth Vader hallway scene but Luke and uh, yeah. uh, I think Ray we've already gotten a lot of that like you know when we saw Ray as a fully fledged Jedi she is she's got hops now like she she's doing crazy stuff she's got uh, you know pretty much a full capacity over her force wielding abilities so there's Did not you a lot of her we, a master. She's read text. Um, she could be literally, uh, like, as far as like educationally, a yeah. master with knowledge. Um, Which is why she probably has the Sentinel lightsaber. That's one of my thoughts. What do you mean? Um, is what? Well, each lightsaber color has a different meaning, and usually the Sentinels are kind of like the keepers of the text. Oh, the color, yeah. And yeah, so I, I'm going off the color alone, and I feel like mm-hmm. that was why they gave her yellow at the end was because. If you threw her in a battle against any of like, let's go, just go with Mace and Tom, that's your favorite. She gets obliterated. If you threw her in a battle against um, Kit Fisto, gets obliterated. In my personal opinion, she is a master because the ability around her. Um, that's kind of my like BSU. When it comes to levels, sometimes that level has to be brought down or raised because you. It, it really matters about what is around you at the current time. It's not just this um, a level of a thousand means master. Like, yeah, in chess, it may be that, but if nobody can ever obtain that level again, at some point they're going to restructure and say 900 is now the master level. And that's kind of the mindset that I have is she's a master solely because the experience around her, she's 10 years ahead of them. That's interesting. Now, do you consider her a Jedi as well? I mean, it could be that she is. I feel like she's this new form of a Jedi. It's well, not so the same Luke. as Luke was a new yeah. form of Jedi. Luke didn't follow the original Jedi Council. Um, it's just more about the light side of the Force versus the dark side of the Force. Um, when Luke started his own Jedi Council, even in some of the comics, he was not going by the Jedi Council that Yoda ran, even though Luke knew Yoda. Um, he was not going by that strict Jedi code. He knew the Jedi code, but he wasn't going by the strict Jedi code, even if um, how they were kind of like hinting at legends, even in um, Galaxy's Edge and stuff like that. It's He's never been the guy that would just go, I guess, the celibacy path of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like it, when you go into legends, it, it's more of like the modern day, 
Jedi is kind of the path that he wrote. So I really don't even think that Ray is she's more of that Luke style Jedi. I, I wouldn't say that she's old school, old Republic Jedi, um, Galactic Republic Jedi, neither of those, but she's um, post Yavin Jedi. I guess that's what we can say that. <laughs> yeah, just a whole new reform, reorganization of what it means to be a Jedi. I think because I that, feel like Cal would Cal would probably be the closest thing to an original Jedi yes. out of interesting post Yavin, yeah. and that's kind of where my head is at. Is yes, she's a Jedi, but it's just not old um, text Jedi. <laughs> right. And my theory kind of about, the Ahsoka thing too. Like Ahsoka has the you know the yeah the the upbringing of the of the Coruscant Temple. Uh, but you know, moves into the sort of the, the Gen Sarai or Gray Jedi area later on down the road, and I think Ray probably gets to weigh everything that Luke shares with her between the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker, um, and maybe take everything that the Jedi have said in the past of the Great Assault and go, hey, like, how are we going to do this differently? You know, like, at what level is the Jedi Code the right way to operate on the light side of the Force? I, I'm glad you said that. I was going to say, I think Ray's fate is similar to that of Ahsoka, how we see her in The Mandalorian. She's gonna. I don't think she's going to perform a new order, or I think she will train other Jedi, of course, and helping people who have that Force sensibility. Uh, but I think she's going to let it be kind of like a... She's going to be kind of a, a, a good mercenary. She'll be going around the galaxy helping people in need, but not necessarily trying to remake something that Luke already tried to do, and it was a failure. I think she's kind of come up with this new way to make the force or Jedi available to all people. And someday maybe the ideal is everyone will be a keen to this power and we all use it for good in our own way, but the different levels that people can use that power are on a different spectrum, depending on who you are or something like that. I don't know. But going Going what you just said about Ahsoka real quick in The Mandalorian, how she's kind of the mercenary style. Um, I, I just got to bring this up. Ahsoka never denied she wasn't a Jedi anymore. Maybe yeah. post, we, we don't know if Luke and her ever reconnected. I hope that that right. gets expanded on, especially after this last Friday. Um, I hope that the Ahsoka spinoff, we see something where it's like Ahsoka is back part of the Jedi. But because that she never denied it. So and I feel like Filoni did that on purpose, like saying like maybe I can spin this in as she is a Jedi or she's still not part of it. She's just not old Jedi Council. She's now new, current Luke Skywalker Jedi Council. So there's yeah. very a so since you bring up Ahsoka and kind of comparing that, we don't know if Ahsoka's Jedi or not, because she never denied it in Mandalorian. And just how we've already seen Filoni kind of use some of those things that he didn't really confirm or um, deny in Clone Wars Rebels, he's been using that to his advantage in um, just Mandalorian, like the whole Jango yeah. Fett. We added on to his lore because it was never denied or confirmed. He's right. been using this to his advantage of he knows where he left things off. He's probably got an Excel sheet notebook of like, this is what I said and this is where I can lead it to. And I feel like he's got that. So there's no telling because Ahsoka never denied that she could be back part of the new Jedi order. And now you're comparing there. So I just got to point that out of we're considering that, but now we're all saying that has a Jedi code changed since post Yavin. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And I think we'll definitely get more of that telling in the Ahsoka TV show. Zach, it's getting close to an hour. Do you have to start heading out? Uh, yeah, I should, I should scoot here in a minute. But this is so dope, I don't know how to. <laughs> uh, I can I can click you out. No, but I um, mean, like I, like, I don't know how to get myself in a headspace where I want to stop talking about Star uh, Wars and go do other shit is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you leave, do you want to say anything else? Uh, either final thoughts on Rise or just, you know, plug your podcast again and stuff like that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so final thoughts on Rise. Um, think it's a solid film. I think it's, um, you know, I think it gets a lot of flack, uh, maybe justifiably. Uh, the, the, if a lot of people feel the way that they feel about the movie, there's probably something to that. But my general impression reading the discourse on the Twitter and on the other social media is that there's not a lot of nuance to people's analyses of the movie or really the trilogy as a whole and some of the thematic elements going on. I think people are like, emo Luke bad, sad day for Star Wars community. <laughs> and and you know it's looking at what happened on Friday. I loved it, and I, but I think well, you know looking at a lot of what people are saying, like this is the Luke that we were asking for, and it's like, well, maybe we don't need what we're asking for, but we need what is going to defy our expectations and make a, an emotionally and intellectually compelling uh, experience in Star Wars. So uh, I think that's a lot of what not only The Rise of Skywalker, but these sequel movies do as a whole. The, I mean, there are social issues integrated to the chagrin of many basement-dwelling fans, um, but I think it's done elegantly. So, yeah, elegant movies for elegant people with elegant taste in collectibles and films. Yeah. All right, Zach has a podcast called The Pen, The Sword, a great sure podcast that he does with some great, amazing people. I have linked it below in the description if any of you are interested. Also, for the audio listeners, it's in the description as well. A direct link to his Spotify, and you should check him out. He's great. I always love talking Star Wars with you, man. I think you have a great perspective and point of view on things. And it's sometimes it's very different than mine. And I really appreciate like just hearing you talk about it. I, so thank you so much for coming on today and talking about the rise of Skywalker. I wish you could have stayed longer, but yeah, I'm glad too. we had you for a little bit. Likewise, great to talk with you. It's Dean, right? Four-legged gamer. I got the Yeah. Yes. Hey, it's been great. <laughs> It has been a business doing pleasure with you guys. Definitely something we need to do again because I feel like Zach could really like some of my theories that I've thrown out to you before, Han. Oh, yeah. Where I feel like we could talk for a while about that because I saw his eyes light up once I brought the, up the Ahsoka thing. And he's like, <laughs> ooh, I didn't think about that. I have a bunch of stuff like that, Zach, where I, hear I think one day we just need to talk about like <laughs> just a theory-driven episode, not necessarily this. But Let's do this again. Upset. Let's do this again. Let's just throw yeah. out theories. <laughs> totally down. All right, guys. Me and Four Legged Gamer are going to stick around for a little bit. Zach is heading out. We will see him soon, though. So goodbye, Zach. May the force be with you. Brown eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So me and Dean are still here. We're going to kick it off with the next main topic. Let me go through some of these live chats again real quick. So I skipped over a little bit of people. And let's see. All right. 
the podcast dojo. I'm not a fan of Star Wars. Oh, here we already got that one. Zach says the writers didn't discover who she was either. I assume you're talking about Ray. Um, I do agree. Some of the writers in these series have not been consistent with the character of Ray. I do believe she was established as a main character. And in the last Jedi, I believe we lost Ray as a main character, as an important character. And in the rise of Skywalker, I felt like it was quickly put together in some random way. But I think one of the biggest failures of this whole sequel trilogy is the fact that they lost the character Ray in, in this story. Uh, yep. I believe in Last Jedi, it was transitioned to Luke. I believe that Last Jedi is Luke's story, 100%. And uh, I think because of that, uh, we lost the connection with Ray, and that's when people started to dislike her a lot. That's when the whole Mary Sue controversy came to be. And so, yeah, it is a shame. Mary um, Sue started in The Force Awakens, but yeah, I completely agree with that we lost Ray because that's kind of alluding to the point that I said that she didn't really have that much of an arc. She was a thin character um, yeah. when it came to the moral dilemma. In the book, she's not a thin character, but in the movies, she's a thin character, unfortunately. It's not that Daisy Ridley did anything wrong. She was a great actress, loved Ray as a character, but it's just you look at Kylo's arc where he's whiny and then needs more training, then we give him the last shy. And then we learn more about him, give him more depth, and then we go to Rise of Skywalker and kind of just finish off his arc. Um, and then you look at Ray's arc; it's just they clearly cared about other characters more than others. And just in bringing that up alone, look at Finn. Finn was underutilized 100%. beyond anybody, <laughs> and with the most potential out of all the characters. I saw yes. Stormtrooper. That's genius. And we did John Boyega alone is, pro in my in my opinion. Uh, no, I won't say the best. The second best actor, Adam Driver, is my favorite out of the new like quad double. I don't know what you. <laughs> but I think John Boyega is second to him. I think John Boyega is the second best actor, and he was underutilized. Like I've watched other things of John Boyega, and when they signed him, I went out and watched. I think it was Attack on the Block, that's was a movie. British small movie that he yeah. did. And I, as soon as they signed him, I was like. I'm interested in who this is because I wanted to see more of their work. And instantly I was like, he's a star in the making. Like he just needs the spotlight. And then star Wars is going to be a spotlight. And then all of a sudden we see force awakens. He ignites a lightsaber in the trailers and stuff. And I'm like former um, stormtrooper Jedi now. And, and then never touches it again. Yep. Such exactly. A shame. Until Lego. <laughs> Until Lego, unfortunately. Okay, it looks like we're turning the podcast Dojo into a Star Wars fan because he has said he didn't really watch Star Wars. He'd only seen one through six and Rogue One. He says now, I love Palpatine. I thought you named your dog Ray after me, darn. <laughs> it looks like his actual you... name is Ray, is why oh, he said funny. that. <laughs> That's funny. Bentex says, Well, I gotta go, but this has been a great discussion and I think has shed some light onto this movie for me. So thanks. Wow. That's really good to hear because you started off the conversation by asking why did it bomb? So it looks like we've shed some of the achievements of this film onto you. And I'm so glad we could do that. You know, there are parts of this movie. I really don't like as a whole. I don't like it. Uh, there are small parts of it. I do like, I do love some parts of it. I do think it is a poor, poor film overall. Uh, that's just how I view it. And as far as, the last Jedi goes. I, I hate that one even more. The only one I truly love and like is the force awakens. And even with that, 
because of The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, I do see all three of these as one whole story. And it does reflect on my liking of The Force Awakens. I actually don't love it as much as I used to. I used to watch it at least once a month. I haven't picked it up in a year. What does that tell you? (laughs) (laughs) But even then, though, um, you say that it kind of makes the trilogy, but could you not tell me that you could watch 7 and 9 and kind of live without watching 8? Not because you dislike it, but could you live without the story concepts because it hardly recalls back to 8? And that's my only question there. Like It's like, why did Luke... Why isn't Luke now a force ghost? Is really your only question that you'd have. Why did he catch the lightsaber and said this shouldn't be disrespected? Small things like that. It has a few callbacks to eight, but the overall story, eight is there, but it's it's exactly that. It's just there. It's not necessary. Yeah, and something we talk about on the show tomorrow, um, which is kind of funny to say because this, our show is pre-recorded. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the whole Luke situation, uh, I really, really disliked Luke in The Last Jedi, but that seeing him in The Mandalorian really saved that for me. And it made me feel so great about, about seeing the Luke I always wanted to. And the best part is, it doesn't affect the way people saw The Last Jedi, because those who hated it still got Luke in The Mandalorian. Those who loved it just get a little bit more. And I yeah. love how they were able to do that without staining something else that someone had seen like the rise of skywalker did because the rise of skywalker brought luke back and he caught the lightsaber and said that's no way to treat a jedi's weapon yeah i totally but, saw that as jj flipping off ryan johnson in the screen <laughs> but zach didn't see it the same way because that's yeah. kind of the way that i saw it um so i liked hearing zach's perspective just because i and as i said i enjoyed all the trilogies um i enjoyed the but i enjoyed the sequels more than the prequels me personally um, not, and I really think that Clone Wars alone, I like that new backdrop. Um, <laughs> I, <do too. laughs> I like that Clone Wars, or I think the Attack of the Clones, not Clone Wars, sorry, Attack of the Clones just was such a negative on the prequels that it just ruins the prequels. <laughs> just that movie alone. <laughs> like, it's, um, I think that's why, but as like the Rise of Skywalker. Watching as a fan, I, I love it. But when I sit down to yeah. watch as a critic, when I sit down to purposely watch as a critic and turn my brain on and think about and not just sit back and relax and enjoy it, when I turn my brain on and kind of like what I was mentioning earlier where it's like, don't be afraid of who you are. And then that's said multiple times as supposed to be an ongoing theme that you that sticks with you as the viewer. And then the end, like when I see that, then I'm kind of like, okay, that, that irks me. Um, Carrie Fisher, all the scenes with her, as much as I hate to say it, they're rough. I agree, watching as a critic, those scenes with Carrie Fisher are rough. Um, That's the I, thing. I, watching these movies objectively is really hard to do when we love it as much as we do. But yeah. you're right, because uh, in the moment, seeing Rise for the first time, Carrie, every scene with Carrie Fisher made me cry. Yep. And I love made it. me tear up when we thought Chewie passed away. Made me tear up when we lost C-3PO. Made me tear up. But it was like then re-watching as a critic. And even after I watched it over and over again after I saw it in theaters the first time, I still loved it. But it wasn't until Friday when I rewatched it as a critic specifically because I knew that um, you and Zach may be a little bit harsher on it than I was going to be. 
Um, so I wanted to make sure I could talk with y'all on that, but then also show the good stuff. Um, those those Leia scenes, it just made me more and more go, like, why didn't they give Leia kind of the death of going down with the ship in Last Jedi when they already knew that that's what was going to happen? Leia really didn't do anything at the end of Last Jedi. I they had the way yeah. to write her out. And then I, I don't want to write out Carrie Fisher. I, I love Leia's character. Yeah. But it's light life is real and i feel like i feel like disney decided to say we don't care about life right now that sounds worse but we don't (laughs) care (laughs) like you kind of get where i'm going is like we don't care about like actual real events yeah we're ignoring this and we're going to use old footage to make our thing work and i know that terry fisher's family gave permission but it's it was just so cringy almost like it, it it didn't leave a good taste in my mouth at the end of like Leia's arc of the six movies Leia's in. It, it didn't have sweet. a clean arc. I would have preferred if she died in The Last Jedi when the ship exploded. Yep. I thought and they, and I thought she was going to. I, I, yeah. I was crying in that scene. I was like, exactly. like I had tears going down my eyes like, oh, they just, they just killed Leia. And then, okay. okay and that would have done so much for Kylo going forward. And, and it would have, and then it also like, it just was the per it was the perfect write off because everybody was going into the movie expecting to cry over the death of Leia, and then the fact that they wrote that in before Carrie Fisher actually passed, like like why couldn't you have used that and just cut? Like there were so many times where they could just cut and then gone back to the ship and they never had to have her use the force and they could have refilmed the last five ten minutes. Yeah, and I know that reshoots are crazy expensive but for five to ten minutes to fix and to actually care about somebody's legacy as a character and as a person i feel like it was if i was the one writing the check i would have paid for it (laughs) (laughs) like if i had that kind of money for somebody's legacy like leia's leia does so much for just female empowerment throughout history of movies um and just kind of just an ode of woman power strength yeah, and it's that's the way that we handle it is rather than write her off as going down with the ship as any general would do, as the old saying of I like I'm going on board or I'm staying on board. All of you get off. I'd go down with the ship. That is how I would have viewed that death is, and they just didn't use that to their advantage as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, so I have two more discussion questions here for. The new people who have joined us, welcome. Uh, this is Han Talks First. It is a podcast and a YouTube channel. And joining me is the four-legged gamer. Uh, you can call him Dean. He also has a YouTube channel. Link below in the in the discussion. I mean, in the uh, comment section. So, the last two questions I have here, I'm going to kind of wrap up into one because they have something similar to do with each other. So, the question is: Can this movie, The Rise of Skywalker, be considered a good movie if it wasn't about Star Wars? So if we look at it from an objective point of view, the goal of this movie, as stated by J.J. Abrams and Disney, was to have it stand alone while also being a continuation. That being said, if we strip The Rise of Skywalker of all of its Star Wars features, names, phrases, history, and this was just a sci-fi drama about a boy, a girl, and good versus evil, can it work? Basically asking, what about The Rise of Skywalker makes it Star Wars? Have you put any thought into this? Um, 
the odds, and then I've money for you. Uh, you're not going to do it. Um, I was odds. trying to lead you into never tell me the odds. Um, no. <laughs> the odds of it being good without Star Wars are slim to none. <laughs> like, it's the asteroid field, C-3PO saying um, that there's, like, a one in a million chance they get through. Um, that's kind of my view of it is without Star Wars, it is not a good movie. Um, Branding. It's Star Wars is needed. And that's coming Critic. just from Friday being the critic. Now, when you hear people say all the time in their criticisms, when people say they bombed, these movies bombed, like our first question we got earlier, they bombed from an audience reception point of view. But box office, they succeeded. Now, when people respond to that, who said that the movies bomb, bombed, they will often say, well, it's it made money because it's star Wars. If it didn't have star Wars in the name, it wouldn't make money. That is both true and false. False because these movies made this much money because of the marketing. Mainly the movies collectively had $955 million worth of marketing material. That is ridiculous. It's one of the one of single movies profits. And the movies did well because Disney knew how to market the material and also because they had top tier talent involved and because of the special effects, ILM. But it also is true saying that the movies made money or I'm sorry, that the movies totally forgot what I was saying. Totally (laughs) threw myself off. But basically, I do believe that the movies did profit well because of the Star Wars brand. And I think taking every Star Wars thing out of The Rise of Skywalker, it would be a very boring, bland film, and it would feel a lot like the... Um, I'm not saying this is a bad movie, but John Carter. Have you seen John Carter? I don't believe so. It's like from 2012, I think. But no one went to go see it. So <laughs> I, I do believe that this movie, without all the Star Wars aspects of it, is a bad movie. And that's weird, because I do like parts of it, and I'm wondering, is that because I hear names like Luke Skywalker, because I see lightsabers? I mean, that stuff is really cool. But when we're looking at it from an objective point of view, it's really hard to defend some of the things in this movie. In any movie, really, if you take out the things you love of it. So I think what makes it Star Wars, aside from names, phrases, and history, is good versus evil, ultimately is family whether it's good relationship bad relationship choosing your lineage etc and uh finally i believe it has a spiritual element that makes it star wars there are all three of those things are very small in featured in this movie as compared to prequels or the original trilogy but i think those are the things that make it star wars without being names places phrases, history, that kind of stuff. But what do you, do you have any more thoughts about that, Dean? Just about like what this film would be like without Luke Skywalker or any of the Palpatine, any of this stuff. It'd be weird. Wouldn't it be a weird movie? I I completely agree. It would be a weird movie. It it just wouldn't flow. Actually, if you didn't have the lore there, it wouldn't flow. Um, Like that's kind of the way that I can view it. Like, it's almost like, I know that people like fast and furious movies. Um, I kind of just watch them because I know when 
like my wife likes watching them and things like that. I'm not a fan of Fast and Furious movies. There's no death. There's no story. It's just cars and like explosions for the most part now. <laughs> yep. So for me, like those aren't my type of movies, but like I know people like them. Um, and it would almost kind of feel like I'm not saying it wouldn't be critically or not critically acclaimed. Um, be kind of a cult classic type movie. Um, yeah. But it's it would I feel it would still sell tickets if it wasn't Star Wars, but it would just be without the lore. I feel like it's kind of dead in the water as soon as it kind of hits theaters. It has its first week of all the ticket sales, and then it's still in theaters for two months. And after that first week, you're the only one in the theater. I feel like it would be one of those type of movies, not where it was full for and hard to get a ticket for the first month and a half. It was in theaters. So it's the last of the Skywalker saga for now. For now, I do believe they're going to. We know it's coming back. Twelve. It's definitely coming back. But until then, we do have Rogue Squadrons coming, and we do have uh, what was the other movie? The Taika Waititi movie. Yeah, we don't know the name of yet. Right. It's rumored that the Rogue Squadrons is coming out after, takes place after Rise of Skywalker. I'm very interested about, don't know how that's going to, I mean. I'm actually not a fan of that placement. Well, it's good because they have the, I mean, if it's like a hundred years after, I think that's good. If it's like five years after, think, that's a little risky. I don't understand. I think it'll be, well, that's not even my issue is um, really it's, um, I just feel that Rogue Squadron, and this is probably just because my love for those video games that we've talked about in the past. The video games are during the fight of the Rebellion versus the Empire, not First Order, not Resistance. It's that's where the video games took place, and give me more of that. And then Wedge and Tilly is a huge part of Rogue Squadron. I'm scared it might not take place there. And that's my only concern, is just because the video games. Um, But I know that you were trying to jump topics but from rise of skywalker for a second so i kind of had one more thing that i want to talk about yeah yeah please go ahead i'm gonna put you on the main screen um so this is a just another critic thing like a logical fallacy that's kind of like why did they 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 clearly were just trying to be a tearjerker um with c-3po so c-3po wasn't allowed to Okay, I'm sorry, guys. I think we lost Dean. Looks like he's having poor connection. We're going to hang on for a second and see if he gets back into it. Until then, if you guys have any questions, please put them in the chat. We will read them right here on the show. Thank you all for joining us so far. We had a bunch of great topics of discussion. A bunch of you chimed in. And again, you can find Four-Legged Gamer, his YouTube channel, in the description below. He does game unboxing and reviews with his puppies. Pretty cool stuff. Until he gets back, I'm just going to jump to me here real quick. We were talking about The Rise of Skywalker. It's been a year since its release, so we were kind of breaking it down and seeing how it how it holds up one year later and how the Star Wars franchise has changed as far as strategy, business, and storytelling. And we had some great things to talk about. This episode will be featured on the podcast later, uh, later today. The podcast is how Han Talks first got started. And it started about two years ago. The YouTube channel is brand new. 
So we do a bunch of fun top 10 videos, reaction videos. We had a reaction video come out this morning. Reaction to Game of Thrones, actually, which is a little different. (laughs) But it had to do with Pedro Pascal and The Mandalorian. So you can check that out. And let's see what else. Yes, every Monday we do the Mando talk show. Unfortunately, Mandalorian is over. So this Monday will be our last ever. I think Dean is back. Let me see if I can get him. Hello. It had to do with Pedro Pascal and The Mandalorian. Okay, he's back. He's muted. There no, you go. No. <laughs> okay, you're back. <laughs> what happened? Though? I was um, my computer randomly decided to do a restart. Um, got the blue screen of frowny face. <laughs> oh no! But then it um, just restarted, so I apologize for that. Okay, um, you have to repeat everything you said because you cut out for a little while. Yeah, I kind of figured that because I was going hello is. Are you there? <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead and re- restart. State what you were saying there. So, kind of my issue was um, with C three PO, and they were definitely just trying to use him as tearjerker with um, wiping his memory and everything. I know that he got it back at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. But how he was being told that, or kept saying that he couldn't translate Sith, um, which completely understand that. But he couldn't translate. But why couldn't he just lead the way? That's kind of like as a critic. Like, that's where my head went was, why can't he just walk us in the direction, point, because he's not, like, he's not deciphering, he's not saying the instructions. He could just, I know C-3PO walks very slow, but he could just walk us in the direction, and that's kind of like, I know that's a loophole, but that was the first thing when they started doing that, where it was like, it was just obvious there were other ways around him deciphering it, and they were just instantly trying to make us cry in some way. And it yeah, worked. It was, a weird it, worked. it was a trailer moment. Yeah. Like, like it, it was It was definitely just to make us kind of bring tears to our eyes, just like Chewie was and so forth. And it worked. I, I will not deny that. But it was just one of those logical fallacies of, like, why did you have to do that? Because that was one of the duller moments in the movie as well. Like, yeah, it brought tears to my eyes, but I was kind of like, okay, this scene needs to speed up a little bit because you've already made me cry just a few minutes ago with Chewie. And then now you're doing this. And then, oh, Chewie's still alive. But it was, it it just felt too long where it's like, you already made me emotional, not even 15 minutes ago. And now you're trying to do it again right after. I think it would have hurt me more if it was later on. And by hurt, I mean like a feelings moment, not like hurt, like you hurt me, Star Wars. Yeah, right. (laughs) It was um, like, I just feel bad timing um maybe that's the best way to put it there were other ways to get around it without wiping um 3po's memory so it, that was just that was one little irk that i had as well when i was watching as a critic and not as the fan yeah um that like there were a few other things that it was just hux changing his sides didn't really it, it was chi- like hux is a child like yeah. my notes are um Hux is a childish <laughs> like <laughs> fill in the blank. And I was just like because it was like you're literally changing sides because you don't like somebody. Like yeah. that that's really the way I saw it. It was like a toddler kind of like I don't like it because he likes it. It, it was so like it was just some of those extra characters and they're not they weren't even meant to be extras in the beginning of this trilogy. But they became extras in like throughout the trilogy. And that, that's what I hate to see. 
because I can't think of the actor's name, but I know he's one of the Weasley brothers. He's a decent actor. He could have yeah. easily played an intimidating uh, Moff Tarkin type of character. He could have easily been a Tarkin type character where he had the intimidating appeal about him and he was doing it well in the force awakens. Like, and then the rise of Skywalker, it's I'm doing this because I don't like Kylo. Uh, um, uh, okay. <laughs> exactly. That's how I felt too. All right. You know, I think uh, the main problem with all these movies was the team story team. It was thrown around a lot, you know, and there wasn't communication. I think all of this goes to the top. I think it goes to the head of Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy. Unfortunately, I do love what she's done for Star Wars. But at the same time, poor leadership on her part. I do believe J.J. Abrams had some kind of story plan for this whole trilogy. I do believe and I think he was told no. I, I think so, too. I think it was offered to Ryan Johnson, and he was like, no, I get the chance to make a Star Wars movie. I get the chance to do whatever I want. I have free creative control. I'm going to do that. This is, I mean, yep. can you blame him? That's an amazing opportunity. And it was guaranteed to make a billion dollars from how The Force Awakens left off. And everyone would be talking about Ryan Johnson for years to come after that. And it would, if you get a billion dollar movie in Hollywood, you get to make whatever you want to next. And he got to make a movie he's been working on for nine years, Knives Out. <laughs> but that was actually good. Where where was the same? Where was that type of director? And Knives Out was honestly a dull in the first hour, but then the second hour it made it a good movie, um, and that was good. Where was that director for the Last Jedi? I have like, that's kind of my it, mindset. But it does look like an actual Ryan Johnson movie. It, it's a good movie. Like the first hour is kind of like okay, when is this going to kind of start rolling? Otherwise, do I really want to be here because? I have the AMCA list. Do I just want to walk out because I'm getting bored? And then all of a sudden, soon as a certain character comes in, I'm not going to say who, just because in case you see it. Or for spoilers on this, because we're talking about Star Wars, so we're expecting you to know that, not this. Um, it becomes a good movie after the second half. Like after the um, roller coaster up, it becomes good, and then it just stays at a good movie. And like where was that? Like but what's where, where be were interesting is he's been greenlit a sequel to Knives Out, which means he's going to be in a similar position he was to Star Wars, have to write a sequel really quick. Now, well, I do believe Ryan Johnson can be a good writer, but he's the type of writer who he needs time to work on yeah. something for it to be good. And I I'm also wondering how much of a Star Wars fan he was. You know, he everyone everyone is a Star Wars fan, whether you're casually or hardcore. I do believe he is a but, casual Star Wars fan. but And that's the issue is I believe the hardcore fans tell a better story for everybody than the casual does. Because the casual writes where I don't think they can even get the essence of what makes casual fans like it. Like if you look yeah. at Barbaro and Filoni, they are hardcore fans. And like – there's a reason why we've never had an issue with their stuff. And there's a reason why, such as um, Podcast Ojo, since he self-admitted he was not a Star Wars fan, um, there's a reason why he likes it. It's because they are doing something where it's, I know how to make a good movie in general. I know how to make a good TV show in general, whatever the case may be. I know how to do this in general. Now I need to make the Star Wars fans happy and then just do my normal thing. 
and then boom. But if you only know casual and you're trying to allude to the hardcore fans as well, you're going to fail everybody because you're not going to be able to hit the note for both if you only know one. Kind of That's kind of my yeah. viewpoint. If you know both, then you can hit it for everybody. And another reason why The Last Jedi doesn't sit well with a lot of people and it feels really different is because the creative team involved, it was a drastic change in department heads. Not only was the director changed, which is a big a big factor into that, but Ryan Johnson decided he wanted to bring in his own producer, uh, Brand Bergman or something like that. He brought yep. in his own cinematographer. He brought in his own editor and uh, own production assistant and one other person I can't remember. But that's a huge, vast change from the production crew that was on The Force Awakens. In television, the crew is always the same. That's why television is so consistent in tone. Directors come in all the time, new directors for TV shows, but the crew is always the same. And then Rise of Skywalker came out. The entire crew from The Force Awakens was brought back for The Rise of Skywalker. So that's why it feels like a direct sequel to The Force Awakens. It's the same exact crew. And of course, we've all seen... I forget the editor's name, the editor of Rise of Skywalker. She has addressed that she doesn't believe that The Last Jedi was consistent either with The Force Awakens, which is kind of funny <laughs> to hear. And she didn't believe it was good storytelling. And I, I do believe a, a big part of that is the crew that's involved. You know, people say that uh, direct, the photography in Last Jedi is good. I, I would agree with that on some parts. But at the same time, it's completely different than The Force Awakens. Force Awakens is a completely different textured film. I, I guess you could also say The Rise of Skywalker is too. The Rise of Skywalker's color palette is beautiful. It's different. What started out as like yellow went to red and then blues in Skywalker, which I really loved. And yeah. I forgot to mention that. The, um, the marketing of this film was uh, very, very well done. I think we can both agree the marketing of Star Wars movies is some of the best marketing out there. Especially, it kind of sells itself. <laughs> like, it so it's one. It's like um, Coca Cola. You're always going to know Coke, and then when you get both up, oh, need to lean this way. Then when you get um, which hand bottles <laughs> like those, <laughs> like um, it, it sells itself, and then it, it's one of those type of franchises that um, I know that Star Wars would never really have this issue because movie industries they do go through like recession stuff but star wars would be a recession proof type movie like kind of how like there's the products out there when the economy does bad there's always products that are going to sell and yeah. then they're, they're recession proof kind of thing yeah so let's let's close out a little bit i want to talk about how how the movies are going to be reflected by audiences going forward as far as like promotion for that now i don't think the next movie is going to come out until 2023 i think that's too early actually i do think that's too early for a movie i think rogue squadrons will be the first two years after that it will be taika waititi's i think they're going to stick to the two-year interval between movies uh rogue squadrons being the first i am a little nervous about its reception from audiences i'm happy with the choice of director but I do think it's too, too soon for movies, considering the backlash, the divisiveness from this s- sequel trilogy. Isn't Rogue Squadron going to be Disney Plus as well only? No, that Isn't will be theatrical. I thought it was directed Disney Plus. I thought they said they're investors. Or did uh, I hear no. that wrong? Patty Jenkins said she signed on because it's going to be a theatrical release. Okay. If 
I mean, depending on how the world is at that time, but they did say at the beginning of that investors day that they're committed with these certain films to be a theatrical market. And if the world gotcha. is the same way, they're keeping it theatrical and Disney plus same day. So it all depends on how the world is at that time, but I do believe it is going to stay in theaters. Um, Taika's will definitely be in theaters as well. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Are you, as far as the date goes, like the time it comes out, you think that's too soon? You think people are going to be excited for the next Star Wars, even though it's not Skywalker or Jedi, it sounds like? Force, even? Solo sold seats. Um, <laughs> but I know that's Solo. Um, I like Solo, but Rogue One sold seats. That that's kind of, And the reason why I'm just pointing these two out is my answer is yes. They sold tickets. They made their money back in more. They have Star Wars attached to the name. Um, after leaving Solo, I was still hoping for the Solo trilogy that had been rumored. Um, I didn't think Solo was amazing, but I didn't think it was a bad movie either. Um, Rogue One was amazing um, to me. Um, so it's just one of those things that because it sells seats, yes. And because I'm a happy Star Wars fan, like, as I said, like, the first time I looked at these things bad was viewing it as a critic. Um, give me a movie every year if you wanted. I wouldn't. I know that that would make it bad. So I would much rather it be two years, like, separating each one. Three years would be my preferred. And then you keep giving me these TV shows in between. And if the TV shows stay of this quality, I'm happy as can be. <laughs> All right, guys, so me and Dean are coming back tomorrow to talk about the season finale of The Mandalorian, and I hope you guys will join us there. It's going to be a great great discussion and uh, such a great episode, so we're going to talk all about it. Dean, tell people where they can find you, talk about your channel, and any last thoughts you have today. Um, This is a lot of fun. We definitely need to have that theory-driven episode um, because I know that, that just sounds like a fun episode in general. Um, and then you can find me on YouTube at four legged gamer. Um, and then on Twitter, four legged gamer with no spaces. Um, the profile pictures both with is with two dogs. One is a brown and white face. The other one is all white face. Um, and very cute dogs, at least in my opinion. Um, (laughs) so, but we just early YouTube channel only have two videos right now. I'm planning on trying to make a, well, at least one video every week and a half or so. It's kind of my goal as long as my schedule permits. But it's just, as I said earlier, it's just about having fun and kind of making memories of my dogs. And I hope that y'all find it funny. I try to make a little comedy for each one. The upcoming one will have more comedy than most do, just because we have some cute images of the white and brown face dog that go very well with one of the collection editions that I'm about to unbox. Hell yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on again, too, and talking. And like I said, the, our episode of the Mando Talk Show comes out tomorrow at 10 a.m. And it is our last finale episode of the Mando Talk Show. But we'll be back. And a lot, of, a lot of discussion there. Like, we talked a lot about the show, then a lot about the future, and then kind of our concerns as well, which we voiced some here. It, it was yeah. a lot of fun talking about that, though, because we looked at the clock and I was like, oh, that says an hour and a half. <laughs> And it's a good one. So you guys go check it out. It's one of my favorite episodes we've done. But that is it for today. That is a look back at the rise of Skywalker a year later. You have listened to Han Talks first. 
Every episode, every episode comes out <laughs> Monday and Wednesday. The podcast is featured on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, Overcast, uh, Amazon, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's there. Check it out. Tons of episodes every week. The YouTube channel, please check it out too. Uh, in the description is the top 10 video of Ahsoka Tano. Crazy facts. Check it out. It's doing very well. And I think you might learn something if you're checking it out. But until then, guys, this has been an episode of Han Talks First. Thank you so much for being here. And now somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. <laughs>